Thank you for joining me for a few moments to ponder the book of Ruth. I'm Betsy Marvin, and this is episode 45. A few months ago, I wrote a message on the book of Ruth as a part of a series called In the Meantime. You can find a link to the message in the show notes if you'd like to listen. In the research and writing for that message, I rediscovered the wonder, beauty, heartbreak, and redemption that this short Old Testament book brings. The book of Ruth is found between the book of Judges and 1 Samuel. It is often seen as a bridge between the time of the Judges and the kingship of David. It's the story of a small family that does include a love story, but it is so much more. The intricate storytelling, the use of Mosaic law, the repetition of certain words, the deep cultural elements, these all drew me into a deeper study of this book, and I'm looking forward to sharing this with you. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Machlom and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem and Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. Ruth 1, 1 and 2. These first two verses are packed with information that will help us bring context and meaning to the story. Verse 1 starts, In the days when the judges ruled. These seven words don't do any justice to the chaotic historical period that it was. This was a time in Israel's history that was full of social, political, and spiritual unrest, a time of violence, survival, and fear. During this time, God's people lived in cycles of sin and oppression, which led God to send judges, or leaders, to rescue them and bring them back to Him. Now that book is a whole different study, but needless to say, with each generation, the Israelites had to relearn what it meant to be obedient to God and stay the course. The Israelites don't have a physical king at this time. God is their king. So each tribe ruled in their own way as they dealt with the cultures that were still around them. Verse 1 continues by telling us that there was a famine and that a man in Bethlehem went on a sojourn to Moab. Okay, so Bethlehem as a town might sound familiar if you've heard the Christmas story, and it's located within the land of Judah. At that time in history, the land area was divided between the tribes or territories of Israel. Judah was one of those tribes. And its allotment of land was west of the Dead Sea, six miles south of Jerusalem, we find Bethlehem. The name Bethlehem means house of bread, 
which brings the understanding that this was an agricultural area. So when we read the words, there was a famine in the land, we can gather that this normally fertile area was really suffering. They would have depended on the land for their livelihood. You know, as you think about this time in history, it's not all that different from our current situation. Warfare, terrorism, refugees, gender inequality, economic crisis, natural disasters, political conflict. There's just an undercurrent of fear that pervades everything. And I think many of us today can identify with that. Well, that is the world of Ruth. And it's within this context that a man with his wife and two sons leaves the land that was promised to his ancestors. So we get a sense that there's some desperation here. The word sojourn used in the text that describes their journey to Moab has a specific meaning in the Hebrew. It means to dwell for a time, which gives us some insight. We see that Elimelech, the father, didn't plan on staying in this foreign country forever, but just for a season. He's looking for a place to wait out the famine, and he takes his family to Moab. Moab is a land east of the Dead Sea, not part of the Promised Land. So this means his family became refugees in a foreign country. It was a place that believed very differently, had different cultural expectations, and where they would have to completely start over. We're told that the family were Ephrathites. The word Ephrathi in Hebrew means fruitful. And most scholars believe that Ephrathi and Bethlehem are the same town and that Ephrathi was the ancient name for the Canaanite city before the Israelites came in and conquered the land. So we can think of it like this. A clan, the Ephrathites, from a town of Bethlehem and the territory of Judah. This family has roots in this place. I'm sure they had other family that lived there as well. And most likely, they had land they owned that they farmed. So why do they go? We find out more details for this in verse 2, and it connects to their names. Today, we name our children due to a grandparent or a parent or seeing how unique we can make it or just if we like it. But in ancient times, names were more of a definition of who you were based on your birth, your looks, your health, your lineage, all sorts of things. For instance, from Genesis, Esau meant hairy. So you can just imagine what he looked like when he was born. The father, Elimelech, well, his name meant God is king. So I wonder if his parents named him as a reminder that although other countries had kings, the Jewish people had God as their king. During this time in history, that was a key element that set the Israelites apart. Naomi meant my delight. I think we know what her parents thought of her. The boys' names were Maklon and Kilion. 
Well, Maklon means sick, and Kilion means pining. Oh, yikes. These were not big strapping boys. Putting this together in the patriarchal culture of the time, we know that male children were everything. They were celebrated. They carried on the family name. They inherited everything. So with two boys that weren't necessarily healthy, in a time of suffering and famine, what's a dad to do? He had to decide whether his kids are worth the upheaval. Are their lives in jeopardy? So with his delightful wife, this man of God decides to move during a time of political chaos and unrest. I'm sure it wasn't an easy decision or even a safe one. And when we look ahead to verse 3, we read these words. But Elimelech died. We'll pick up there next time. These verses lay the context for our story. (laughs) I told you they were packed with information. And it does bring us a few things to ponder. What do you think of Elimelech? Have you ever had to make a tough decision for your family or for yourself and it didn't turn out as you hoped? If you've ever had to move to a new area or start over, then you know some of what this family had to go through. So how would you advise them? And maybe you're in a season, a season of needing to relearn what it means to follow Jesus, and you're in need of God's rescue. Or maybe you've been in one. One thing that we know, that in all the upheaval and the hunger of famine, God was with them, and He is with us. In a culture that changes so quickly, causes anxiety and conflict, may we remember that we have a God that is unchanging, present, and in control. I look forward to continuing our moments together in Ruth. Amen.